Um, this morning we're going to be continuing on the, the theme that we've been on here the past few weeks um, about planting, all about planting. Um, we've learned quite a bit here so far. Uh, we were challenged um, ourselves to be more intentional about the biblical life principle that we reap what we sow, we harvest what we plant. We know it in the natural world, but so often we, we don't see that in our own lives, in our natural lives and in our spiritual lives especially, that really we are what we plant, you know, we are what we think. Um, we want to plant the things of God into our lives, both into our lives, because we've got to start there, got to get the plank out before you help someone with their splinter, right? But not only planting it into our own lives, but also planting it into the lives of those around us, which is going to naturally happen. We want to allow God to develop and to grow roots within us that produce good fruits. Remember, we learned that principle, good roots, good fruits. You know, you got good roots of the Spirit growing, you're going to have good fruits of the Spirit growing. And it's all based off this biblical principle in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. So often we think we fooled ourselves by thinking that we can get away with something, right? Don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And by the way, that's not gender specific. It's just mankind in general. So ladies, you're not off the hook. You know, yeah. <laughs> but think about this in the natural world. Whenever you, you know, in the next, actually some of y'all may be ahead of me and planning this out already. But whenever you think about your gardens, uh, you know, they're going to be planting this spring. Would you go to the store just grab those scoops and dump a bunch of seed in your bag and then shake it all up and dump it out in your front yard and be like, job well done, my garden is planted, right? Hey, if it's meant to be, it'll be, right? If it's meant to be, it'll be, right? Just, just let it be. That, that, that's the way the Lord works, right? If he wants me to do this, then he'll just make me do it, right? No, that's not how the Lord works. That ain't how the kingdom works. You know what that's called? Deception. That's what the enemy wants to drive into your head. The enemy wants to drive into your head that you just float on through life and the Lord will take you into his plans and purposes. You'll just bump right into them, right? How many of you know you, you go down 85 here and close your eyes and just trust in the Lord and Jesus take the wheel? Where are you going to end up? Not into the Lord's plans and purposes. Let me promise you that, okay? <laughs> But I'll tell you what, we wouldn't apply that principle in the natural world, but we apply it in the spiritual world. We think we just trust the Lord. He'll just have his way, right? He, he reigns sovereign. He, you know, he just doesn't do that. The Lord loves us too much. Love does not control, manipulate, and force your will onto somebody else. Does it? That's not love. That's called rape, right? We don't, it, the Lord doesn't force his will onto our lives. It's a cooperation, and it's a joy to cooperate with him and to see his plans and purposes fulfilled. Instead, if you're planting your garden, you're not going to do that. You're going to plan out your garden carefully based on what harvest you want to receive. You, you, you actually act prophetically when you plant your garden. You, you see ahead of time the fruits, the vegetables, what it is that you want to grow, and that's what you plant. That's what you prepare um, you select the right place for it that has the right type of ground, the right amount of sunlight, the right amount of moisture, and then you cultivate that ground, right? You plow it up, you get rid of all the weeds and everything, and then the very last thing that you do, after all that planning and preparation, then you go out and you buy seed. And when you buy seed, you buy specific seeds for a specific purpose, right? For the fruits and veggies and whatnot that you want to harvest. You intentionally plant every individual seed exactly where you want it placed, Right? And when you see anything else that starts to grow that you don't want in that garden, you weed it. You pluck it out and you get rid of it, right? 
Um, you, you intentionally make sure you also pull it up by the roots, and then you cast it aside to its death. Don't you love just killing those weeds, right? It's a satisfying feeling. You know, not in my garden. Ain't happening here. Out of here, right? I love this simple little phrase. And yes, I'm taking a part of a verse, but it's not out of context. You can read it, trust me. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul says, you are God's field. He makes that analogy. You're God's field, God's building. He wants to plant something in your life. He wants to grow something in your life. He wants to produce good kingdom fruit in your lives. And he wants you to multiply, to reproduce. He wants you to produce other kingdom people, right? The way that he has planted and grown you. So the question this morning is, how's God's field looking? You're God's field. How's it looking right now? Take a moment and reflect on your life objectively. Don't justify the way it looks. Don't excuse the way that it looks. Just how does it look? Is it looking a little bit like a chaotic potluck of, we'll just we'll call them plants, right? You know? It, it, plants that change with every step that you take through it. Does, does one get tangled up in weeds and vines and thorns as you're trying to find the good fruit in it, right? You know, I, I remember going out berry picking when I was little, and you had to go through some pretty crazy thorns to get to them. There was good fruit there, but man, did you have to fight your way to get through it, right? You know, are we a little prickly? Are we a little unapproachable? Would other people want the fruit that our field is producing? Would they want to model their lives after us? Or is the field of our life an easy-to-navigate field with a plentiful bounty of good plants and good fruit and good veggies, a great harvest? Is it a field that looks inviting to others that one would gladly eat from and, and pay a, a decent price to purchase from? Is it one that others would want to model their own lives after? It's an honest question, an honest reflection, and I, I kind of hope and pray that it kind of pierced your heart the way it pierced mine, you know, of there's some pretty uh, weedy areas in my life that, that needs cleaned out right now. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not that God demands perfection. It's not that he doesn't love the hot mess that we may be right now. He absolutely loves you where you're at. That is not the, you know, I don't want the enemy to come in here and to, you know, beat up on you and make you feel like you're not good enough in God's eyes. That's, he accepts you exactly where you're at, exactly as you are. It's, it's about where our hearts, where our desires are at. Do we want to live a life that glorifies God, that honors Him? Do we want to live according to His word or according to our own ways? Do we want to follow His plans and purposes, His blueprint for our lives, right? Having a humble heart that trusts God, that trusts God and trusts His ways. That's what enables us to rearrange our lives to look a little bit like that that allows our lives to be a little bit fuller of all the good fruits of the Spirit. We are His field, and He is able, if we surrender our lives to Him, He's able to, to grow and to produce things well and to rearrange things and to weed them out and to, to really get us on a healthy, wholesome path. He's able to do all those things. And thankfully, as long as we live, as long as you take another breath, that's exactly what the Lord wants to do. He wants to help manage, help steward your field. He wants to teach your hands how to, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not a gardener, by the way, so I, don't, I can't even start to it, how to cultivate it so that it grows what you want to grow and the way you want to grow it, right? He wants your harvest to be plenty. He wants it to be plentiful. So as long as we live, we have the opportunity to allow God to come in and to transform the field of our lives into something organized and healthy and productive, 
In fact, when we see a rainbow in the sky, we remember God's promises, right? The covenant that God made to Noah that what? He would never destroy mankind with a flood again, right? We remember that promise. That's, that's what we see the uh, rainbow and, and we remember. But we don't often recall what was on God's heart and mind when he made the promise. But did you know that it's recorded? In Genesis chapter 8, verse 21 to 22, before he made the promise that he would never destroy mankind with the floodwaters again, this was on his heart and mind for making that promise. After leaving the ark, Noah built an altar. He gave an offering to the Lord on it. And the Lord said this. He smelled the pleasing aroma. And the Lord said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans. Even though every inclination of the human, evil, human heart is evil, even from childhood. So he knows where you're at. He knows where you're coming from, right? Every inclination of my heart is evil. But God said in his heart, never again will I destroy all living creatures as I've done. In fact, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, they will never cease. So this is another thing to think of whenever you see the rainbow in the sky. Not only will God never destroy you, but there's still a chance there's still an opportunity. Uh, we were praying in, in worship practice, and I didn't tell Marie this, and I'm sorry, I'm going to call you out the way that I call out Nate and embarrass you, but, you know, she was praying that, you know, that the Lord never gives us a second chance. I'm like, oh, no, wait, i got to correct that theology. It's like, no, every, every time is a brand new chance. It's like the first time, because when you ask forgiveness, it's like you never did it. It's as far as the east is from the west and bottom of the ocean floor. You know, every single time is a fresh start, and that's what the rainbow prom, you know, reminds us of, that as long as the earth endures, it's always seed time and harvest time. My field, the field of my life, it's not over yet. There's still time to clean it up and to get it right. As long as you draw another breath, it is an opportunity to sow and reap, to plant and to harvest. Your field of your life can still reach its full potential. You haven't missed out yet. It's always seed and harvest time. There's always all these seasons that cause things to grow, right? But we must be mindful of this. We're not going to be walking about life and then all of a sudden, as I mentioned earlier, right, just kind of fall into the things of God. I'm not just going to walk along and stumble into peace. You ever find peace just stumbling through life? No. Joy? Mm-mm. Patience? You find lots of opportunities to grow patience, but you don't find patience. You just don't stumble into the fruits of the Spirit. If we want to produce a rich, plentiful harvest of the fruits of the Spirit then we have to be intentional about cultivating and planting the seed of the Spirit in our lives. We need to weed out anything else that tries to compete with the fruits of the Spirit growing in our lives, the things of God in our lives. We've got to get rid of it, right? Jesus made mention of taking up our cross daily, crucifying the flesh, and those kinds of concepts and ideas. That's just weeding it out, you know? And like SpongeBob, don't think we don't know how to weed them out, right? We know, I see the smells in it, some of you are with me, you know, my, my goofy goobers, yes, um, but it doesn't happen accidentally. We have to be intentional about the things of God. You will not just stumble and fall into them. It requires us to cultivate and to plant, because after all, you do reap what you sow, right? You harvest what you plant. It's just a reality. So this morning, we're going to take a look at one of the most significant tools that God has given us with which to plant. And that's our words. Our words. In fact, it goes a little deeper than this, but bear with me. But essentially, it's words. We all know that God spoke and created everything, right? Words are powerful. Not only did he speak and create everything, then he created us, mankind, in his own image. 
Your words are powerful. They carry authority. They create, they build up, they tear down, they do all these things and more. With my own words, I can cultivate a completely depressing atmosphere by telling you all about the woes of the world. You know, I, I can do it. I can tell you all the issues that are out there right now and how bad things are looking. I can tell you how, how much my life just sucks right now, right? It's sort of like Solomon. He gave a great teaching in the Word of God, and the summary of it was, everything is meaningless. Chasing after the wind. All life is meaningless, right? Isn't that just an encouraging word of the Lord? You know, we can leave here kind of feeling like Eeyore. You know, we can read from Lamentations and all the woes and the troubles that God's people faced in this uh, world. With my words, I can cultivate division and rage. I can tell you all your pat secrets and make you hate her, even if they're true or not, right? But I, I can make you believe it. With my words, I can do that. By the way, we love you, Pat. We'd never want you to, yeah, <laughs> love you to death. But with our words, we can do that, and we do do that sometimes, don't we? Um, I can tell you pre-selected facts to sway your opinion a certain way about a certain group of people. Uh, you know, watch the news. That's exactly what they do. You can feel your heart rate racing, right? You know, that's what happens when I watch Fox News. I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous. This is America. This is America. You know, we need to rise up and revolt. And, you know, it gets you upset, doesn't it? Because they, they, they share with you facts and opinions. And they just talk 24-7, 365 about these things, right? And the thing is, most of them are true. But they're pre-selected truths. I can tell you truths about Nate that make him look one way. I can tell you truths about Nate that make him look another way. I can tell you truths about Nate. And don't we do that to God? We focus on the truths that we want to know about God. You know, the things like anyways. We can do that with our words. We can sway people. After all, do you ever watch any of those movies or the old cartoons I used to watch? And you grab your pitch and you know, pitch. That was even worse. Tar and feathers. That, we might need to go back to that someday. Anyways. Grab your pitchforks and your torches, right, you know? And every one of those scenes where that angry mob went out after somebody, it was one voice leading them into that revolt. Those words, that one voice that just brought this angry mob together to go and get them, right? Um, you know, with my words, I can also do this. I can cause your faith to rise up. I can cause you to hope in the Lord once again. I can tell you testimony after testimony about people who are in your same situation and what the Lord did for them. And what he'll do for them, he'll do for you. I can do all these things with my words. It's amazing. With a few simple words. I can cause you to love me or hate me. Love them or hate them. I mean, just words. It's amazing. The power, the authority that they have to create and to destroy. Our words are kind of like seeds. You know, you ever see one of these? Um, got sort of a little bit of an object lesson here this morning. As scattered as I am, I think the Lord has something in the scattering because believe it or not, you can't... You, this is evidence, pure evidence. You can't believe everything you read. This is mine. And do you see what it says on it? Expert gardener. It lies. It is a liar. Don't believe everything that you read. But this is, you know, I, I've never had like a huge, huge yard, you know, so this was always sufficient for me. You know, this is my, my scatterer. But think about your words this way. You know, really think about that. Their minds are sort of like a broadcaster or a seed spreader is what I call it, you know. Um, and they make them in all shapes and sizes depending on the amount of seed that you're uh, spreading. Um, and if you think about that, kind of think about how like this is your brain and this is your mouth. This little broadcasting part, you know. I was going to bring in a manure spreader, too, because some of our mouths, I mean, come on, let's be honest, but 
we're, we're sticking to seed this morning, okay? I don't know what's coming out your mouth, but kind of picture it this way, right? Um, and what is the easiest way to make sure that we are planting and we are sowing good seed? It, it's what we're putting in, right? It's, it's literally what you're taking, and I'm sorry for the messes I'm going to make here, but it's what you're putting in, because what you put in is what comes out, right? Isn't that the case? I don't know if everyone's getting it here this morning, so I have another way of helping us to understand this, but it is so much easier when you're spreading good seed to have good seed in there, right? What you put in is what comes out. A man reaps what he sows. God cannot be mocked. We cannot be deceived, right? Reap what we sow. And I'm sorry, I just, you know, you know I'm a mess this morning. You can tell I'm scattered all over the place. Um, Becky saw this, and she still has nightmares about it, so if, if you have a weak stomach, turn your head. Picture it this way, okay? All right? This, this is your life, okay? You, th th what goes in comes out your mouth, right? Okay? So the easiest way for good stuff to come out of here is not to cautiously think before I speak and try to keep that seed in there, right? The best way to live a fruitful life and for good things to come out of our mouth is to keep only good stuff in here, right? In my brain, what comes in is what goes out. In, in my computer programming and development world, we call it GIGO. Garbage in, garbage out. It's what happens. When I import data that's garbage, I'm going to export data that's garbage. And it's no different in our lives. We reap what we sow. What we put in is what comes out. And it is so much easier for me to be like, yeah, that's a bad seed, than it is to allow that seed to grow and to develop and to grow down into my character. You ever try to change the way that you think, your perspective? You ever try to change who you are? It is so hard. And I have so many regrets. I wish when I was Nate's age, I didn't see this this way. Because now I know it's wrong, but I have such a hard time getting that out of my life, right? It's so much easier to be like, oh, bad seed. Gone. And it's gone, right? So we have to be cautious with what goes in. Think about your life this way. What you allow in is what's going to come out. So we don't need to guard our mouths and to guard our words and to you know, be more careful to think before we speak. We need to get our thinking right. The words that are in our minds are where the words that come out of our mouths begin, right? I am what I think. I speak what I think. It, it starts in the battlefield of the mind. And what does God tell us to think about? Well, you probably have heard this scripture a hundred times. God tells us to think about this. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So whenever I go about life, I don't have to listen to all the garbage of everybody else, right? I can pick and choose what comes in here. I have ear gates. I have eye gates. I can, I, I can choose what I allow into my life for the most part. And so we need to be more cautious with what we're putting in. Are we putting in the word of God? Are we putting in the things of God? Are we putting in thoughts of God? Are we putting in whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy? Or are we putting a bunch of garbage in, you know? Think about it. Because when you filter what goes in, it's so much easier. I don't have to filter what goes out. I can just be me. There is freedom in this. I can just be me, right? I don't have to worry about what comes out of my mouth because I know it's going to be good because I'm thinking good thoughts. 
It's thinking, thinking that gets us into trouble every time, isn't it? Right? And so the most freeing way to live is that. Pluck out the seed that is bad when it enters. When you realize it's a bad thought, get rid of it at that point. Don't allow it to grow and to cultivate and to bear fruit in your life. Get rid of that thought when you think it. Um, in fact, that's exactly how we fight our battles, right? The battlefield of the mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. Us as Christians, we are in a fight, we are in a battle, we are in a war, right? We just sang about it. I'm in a fight, not physical, I'm in a war, but it's not with this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5 says this, Though we live in the world, we live in it, all the same information's floating around out there, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to make more of a mess than I already made, but the way the world does it, you know, is they, they're like, this is what I want you to believe, and I'm just going to douse you with it. And then once you service from it again, I'm going to douse you with it again. I'm going to keep doing it until you believe what I believe. That's the way the world operates, right? You get saturated by it. Yeah, social media, you know, one of the healthiest things you can do is to shut out those voices. Just shut it out. When I stopped looking through my Facebook newsfeed, my life was a lot more peaceful. I had a lot more joy, right? When I shut out the voice of my wife, not so peaceful, not so joyous, okay? <laughs> Shut out the bad, let in the good, right? <laughs> and the Bible says, you who found a wife has found a good thing. I, she's not in here. I'm going to keep standing on that word, right? It's all good. It's a good thing. <laughs> but this is what 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5 tells us. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Everyone say power this morning. Power. You have divine power to demolish strongholds. You have the power to demolish strongholds. You don't just peel the enemy's fingers back as he's holding onto the ledge. You have power to demolish it. You got some TNT. You know, you, you get rid of that ledge in your life and the enemy can't never get his little stinking fingers on it again. Never going to have a fingerhold, never a foothold, definitely never a stronghold in my life again, right? You got power to demolish strongholds. In verse 5, this is how we do it. We demolish arguments. We demolish pretenses. We demolish everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive and we make it obedient to christ this this is where you win your battles this is where spiritual warfare is won and lost right here in the battlefield of the mind this is where the world is waging war against you but this is where you win every battle get rid of the bad seed keep the good this is where you win because what you think is what you become. What you think is what your attitude becomes. What you think is what your, your words become. What you think is what your behavior becomes. It all starts in the battlefield of the mind. It all begins there. The, the Bible actually refers to it often as your heart. You know, just the core of who you are, the center of who you are. When I say that words have power and authority, it's not just the words we speak. It's the words we think, the words we believe. That's what shapes and defines who we are. And so we've got to start winning these battles, right? We've got to start getting rid of that bad seed and keep the good seed. Because it's not just about getting rid of bad seeds. If I, okay, this is all bad seed. If I get rid of it all, then what do I got? Nothing. 
Something's going to go in there. I guarantee something's going to go in there. So what do we need to do? We need to be intentional about filling it with the things of God, filling it with the kingdom. You know, and you can do that. God gave us all kinds of resources. Oh, my goodness, are we blessed in the United States of America. You've got unlimited access to kingdom resources. There are so many teachers and preachers and prophets and evangelists. And, you know, you've got the whole fivefold ministry out there, apostles, that you can fill your mind with. We have no excuse to be in the condition that we are in in America. We should be at probably five or six services because the people are hungry for God in here, right? We've got no excuse for not having power and authority and walking in it and, and, and drawing people in to want the things of God. We've got to start tossing that bad seed aside. Because if we have a clean mind, we have a clean mouth, we have a clean attitude, we have a clean life. Remember this teaching of Jesus last week? Jesus approaches the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees in this case, and he goes up to this group of Pharisees. He's like, clean the outs you clean the outside of the cup. You clean the outside of the dish. And remember I told you about my kids and how they clean the outside but not the inside when they do dishes, all right? Nobody wants that dish. No one's going to eat or drink out of it. They clean the outside because that's what everyone sees. But Jesus said, you're fools. Inside, you're full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people. Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside of you, be generous to the poor, and then everything will be clean for you. You see, that's what the religious mindset has. You look a certain way, you talk a certain way, you act a certain way. That's discipleship. And then you'll be okay. You're okie-dokie. You can go in the kingdom of God because you talk like us, look like us, right? That's not what the kingdom of God says. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, no, 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 no. This isn't getting the outside right. This is about the inside. This is about where the spirit is. The spirit of the living God is inside of you, and he wants to clean you. And when you clean yourself up on the inside, all of a sudden the outside is going to be clean too. It's a transformative work from the inside out. That is what salvation is. We call it the process of sanctification, you know? I'm clean on the inside, but... It needs a little more scrubbing, right? You know, bust out that SOS pad. There's a couple of, you know, flaky parts in my life that need, need to be cleaned up. But once that is clean, the outside's clean as well. Clean the thoughts. Clean the inside. What is happening inside of us, everything else will be clean as well. If you're struggling with an addiction, change the way you think about that addiction. See it for what it is. Bondage. Every time you go to that thing, man, it's just another chain in the, uh, you know, in, in the bonds that hold you. Start seeing it the way that God sees it. If you change the way you think about it, you'll change your attitude, your behaviors, and everything else will follow. Words start in our minds before they ever enter our mouths. And like, words don't have to land in someone's ear to bear fruit either, do they? Think about this. My words don't have to fall in someone's ears to bear fruit. They don't. They change atmospheres. Think about this. Have you ever walked into your house? You don't see anybody. You don't hear anybody. But you're just like, ooh. You knew there was a drop-down fight that just happened in that room. You walked in, and you could just sense it. Anybody ever realize that? I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I just have a, maybe I have a gift of discernment I didn't know about. But most of us do. I can tell you... The way that the manager is down at the store by when I walk in, you can just tell in the atmosphere. You can tell the way the employees look and act and behave. You can tell whether that, that, that you know, manager of that business is just a slave driver, you know, forgive me in this 
culture and words, but you know what I mean. You know, if they just drive their people and they don't really care about people, like, you know, go ahead. You're gone. I'll just bring another one in tomorrow. You know? Or if they really appreciate their employees and they really care about their business, you can tell there's an atmosphere. Our words create atmospheres. Our words create atmospheres. They don't have to fall on people's ears to change the atmosphere around us. They just don't. There's a spiritual realm all around us, and it is listening. Listening to our words. And that spiritual realm is ready to take action accordingly. Here's the good news. The angelic host, they are, they are you know, spirits sent to serve us. They are listening for the word of God. They can't wait to team up with what God wants. They can't wait for you to start speaking it, right? Uh, Psalm 103, verse 20, in case you think I'm making this up. Um, I believe it was the Psalm of David. He said, bless the Lord, you his angels, you who excel in strength, who do his word, who heed the voice of his word. Angels are waiting to execute God's will according to God's word. You know what demons, fallen angels are waiting to do? To hear your fears so they can start using them against you. To hear your temptations so they can start tripping you up, right? To cause division or fear or whatever else they can do to keep us from God's will. Our words have power and authority to create atmospheres. They absolutely do. We want to be ones who speak words in agreement with God's word, in agreement with God's will, in agreement with God's principles and his precepts. We want to be a prophetic voice speaking out his plans and purposes speaking out his potential building up people and encouraging people right that's what we want to be we want to be a prophetic voice we don't want to be gossipers or slanderers or mockers who speak facts but with the motive of tearing people down we want to be a prophetic people who yes we might see the ick and the nastiness in people's lives we may see their weaknesses but we're not going to talk about those things. And if we're going to do them, we're going to do it in a way that pulls them out of those things. We want to speak their, the, their potential, right? That's what prophecy does. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14. It speaks encouragement and builds people up and calls them into God's plans and purposes. You can call me out of New Mine, PA, but what good does that do? Where am I supposed to go? You know, I'm not going to want to leave home if you just tell me to leave here because it's no good. You tell me how nasty this town is and how I need to leave it. I'm, I'm not going to leave. But if you tell me how awesome Catanning is, we all know that's true, right? If you tell me how awesome Catanning is and all these opportunities that are available down there. No, Punxsutawney, it's way better. I see Seth looking, yeah. Punxsutawney, that's where we want to be, where the groundhog lives, right? Punxy fill one and two and 50 and, yeah, you can go visit them, you know. Um, but if you tell me how good the other place is, guess what? I don't even have to hear about how bad this place is. I want to go there, right? Tell them how good the kingdom of God is. Tell them how good God's kingdom is, how awesome our Jesus is. That's going to want, make them hungry and thirsty for more. That's going to make people want. In fact, the Bible says that people will ask you the reason for the hope that's within you. I've never told people nasty things about a place and had them ask me, what is this great hope in you? <laughs> Anybody? I can tell you how nasty McDonald's food is. And people are going to be like, whoa, what hope. Where can I get some of that? That's awesome. No. They want to ask the hope that's within you because you're speaking about hope, about good things, about the promises of God, about the plans of God, about the purposes of God. That's what's going to draw them in, right? And so um, 
Anyways, we want to use God's word, God's truth, as a sword to win the battles of our mind. We want to demolish the work of the enemy in our lives and in the lives of others. And we, we do it by just getting rid of the bad seed and keeping good seed in here. Keeping our minds full of the good things of God, the kingdom of God, right? We can use God's truth as a sword to win battles, to build people up, or to tear people down. We can demolish ideas and philosophies that are contradictory to God's word, or we can uh, demolish ideas and philosophies and, and people in the process, right? The truth is, in the kingdom of God, we can disagree with people and still keep our love on toward them. We are called to destroy the work of the devil, not called to destroy people that are held captive by him to do his will. Read, I think it's Galatians 6 or Ephesians 6, I get the two mixed up, but the devil has people held captive to do his will. We are on a rescue mission to seek and to save the lost. Not to drive them further into the enemy's captivity, right? We are called to draw them out and set them free as prisoners of war, not to bind more chains on them and tell them how bad they are and how much worse it's going to be for them, right? So as we continue through this year, and if I could have the worship team come forward, we want to be ones who plant, who plant kingdom things, God things, good things, the best things that we have, right? We want to plant those things into our lives and into those around us. We want to set some captives free, right? And we do that first and foremost by filling our minds with just who the Lord is. Because I can't promise you that you're going to understand what God is doing in your situation. I can't promise you that you're going to get all the answers to all of your questions and why you're struggling the way you're struggling. But what I can tell you with certainty is who God is, what he is like. Who he is and his nature and his character are clear in his word. And so this morning, I want you to shake off all those things you came in here with. All those things of the world, all those thoughts that are stealing away your sleep and your peace. This morning, I just want you to fix your eyes on Christ. Fix your eyes on who He is. And the rest of it will fade away. Because the Lord is beautiful. So beautiful. The Lord is good in every way. And he wants to fill your life with his goodness. And so this morning, if you're familiar with the song, close your eyes and sing away. If you're not, close your eyes and soak it in. I want this to just be you and Jesus. Now is a time of repentance, of casting out that bad seed, those bad thoughts, those bad perceptions. Not just to get rid of the bad, but to replace them with good things. So let's fix our eyes on Christ and allow Him to shape and to mold and to transform us so that us, God's field, would be fruitful with good things.